This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. I have an important message for you. Listen up. Think twice before you call the cops to carry out a so-called welfare check on a loved one, especially if that person is autistic, hearing impaired, elderly, suffering from dementia, disabled, or might have a condition that hinders their ability to understand, communicate, or immediately comply with an order, particularly if you value that person's life. At a time when growing numbers of unarmed people are being shot and killed for just standing in a certain way or moving a certain way or holding something, anything that police could misinterpret to be a gun or igniting some trigger-centric fear in a cop's mind that has nothing to do with an actual threat to their safety, even the most benign encounters with police can have fatal, deadly consequences. Unfortunately, Police trained in the worst-case scenario and thus ready to shoot first and ask questions later increasingly pose a risk to anyone undergoing a mental health crisis or with special needs whose disabilities may not be immediately apparent or require more finesse than the typical freeze-or-I'll-shoot-you tactics employed by America's police forces. Just recently, in fact, Gay Plack, a 57-year-old, 5-foot-4-inch Virginia woman with bipolar disorder, was killed after two police officers sent to do a welfare check on her, entered her home uninvited, wandered through the house shouting her name, kicked open her locked bedroom door, discovered the terrified woman hiding in a dark bathroom and wielding a small axe, and four seconds later, shot her in the stomach. Four seconds? That's all the time it took for two police officers assigned to check on Platt to decide to use lethal force against her. Both cops opened fire on the woman, by the way. Rather than using non-lethal options, one cop had a taser, which he made no attempt to use or attempting to de-escalate the situation. The police chief defended his officers' actions, claiming they had no other option but to shoot the 5-foot-4-inch woman with carpal tunnel syndrome who had to quit her job at a framing shop because her hand was too weak to use the machine that cuts the mats. Believe that one or not? Well, this is what happens when you empower the police to act as judge, jury, and executioner. This is what happens when you indoctrinate the police into believing that their lives and their safety are paramount and more important than anyone else's, including we the people. Suddenly, everyone and everything else is a threat that must be neutralized or eliminated. In light of the government's latest efforts to predict who might pose a threat to public safety based on so-called mental health sensor data, which, by the way, is tracked Uh, with such things as Fitbits and Apple Watches and monitored by government agencies such as HARPA, a federal agency. It actually means the Health Advanced Research Projects Agency. And these encounters with police are going to get more deadly when they're alerted with all this so-called mental health stuff, especially if those involved do have a mental illness or disability. Indeed, disabled individuals make up a third to a half of all people killed by law enforcement officers. That's according by a study conducted by the Rutterman Family Foundation, which which reports, and I'm quoting here, 
Disabled individuals make up the majority of those killed in use of forces cases that attract widespread attention. This is true both for cases deemed illegal or against policy and for those in which officers are ultimately fully exonerated. Many more disabled civilians experience non-lethal violence and abuse at hands of law enforcement officers. Unquote. More examples. In South Carolina, police tasered an 86-year-old grandfather reportedly in the early stages of dementia when he was jogging backwards away from them. In Oklahoma, police shot and killed a 35-year-old deaf man seen holding a two-foot metal pipe on his front porch. He used the pipe to fend off stray dogs while walking. Despite the fact that witnesses warned police that uh, Mr. Sanchez couldn't hear them and thus comply with their shouted orders to drop the pipe and get on the ground, the police shot the man when he was about 15 feet away from them. In Maryland, police, moonlighting as security guards, used extreme force to eject a 26-year-old man with Down syndrome and a low IQ from a movie theater after the man insisted on sitting through a second screening of a film. Autopsy results indicate that Ethan Saylor died of complications arise from asphyxiation, likely caused by a chokehold put on him by the police. In Florida, police armed with assault rifles fired three shots at a 27-year-old autistic man who could not talk, who was sitting on the ground playing with a toy truck. Police missed the autistic man and instead shot his behavioral therapist who had been trying to get him back to his group home. The therapist, bleeding from the gunshot wound, believe it or not, was then handcuffed and left lying face in the ground for 20 minutes. These cases and the hundreds, if not thousands, more like them that go undocumented every year speak to a crisis in policing when it comes to law enforcement's failure to adequately access and assess the escalate and manage encounters with special needs or disabled individuals. Believe it or not, over the course of six months, police shot and killed someone who was in a mental crisis every 36 hours. Where does this leave us? For starters, we need better police training across the board, but especially when it comes to de-escalation tactics and crisis intervention. A study by the National Institute of Mental Health found that CIT, or Crisis Intervention Teams, trained officers make fewer arrests, use less force, and connected more people with mental health services than their non-trained peers. Second, police need to learn how to slow confrontations down instead of ramping up the tension and the noise and the violence toward we the people. For example, Maryland police recruits are now required to take a four-hour course in which they learn to de-escalate and use de-escalation tactics for dealing with disabled individuals, that is, speak calmly, give space, be patient and don't shoot first. One officer in charge of the LAPD's mental response team suggests that instead of rushing to take someone into custody, police should try to slow things down and persuade the person to come with them gently. Third, with all the questionable funds flowing to police departments these days, why not use some of those funds to establish what one disability rights activist describes as a 9-11 type number dedicated to handling mental health emergencies with community crisis response teams at the ready rather than police officers. In the end, while we need to make encounters with police officers safer for people suffering from mental illnesses and with disabilities, what we need, we really need, as I point out in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, is to make encounters with police safer for all individuals across the board.
Maybe then fewer people will be injured or killed by the police. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.